Would you turn over to Hebrews, the 13th chapter? I have it on my heart to begin a new series this evening. Oh, be prepared. You're going to be excited. Brace yourself. <laughs> As you know, we don't uh, just do these things haphazardly. After much, I've been thinking about this for months, looking at it. I was talking to a minister today on the phone, and he was asking me about, you know, what I taught this year. And I said, well, only, you know, about seven subjects. He said, what? He said, how long do you stay on something? I said, well, a while. But that's how the Lord has led us. And I feel good about it. Yes. Right? Because yes. it's not how much you know. But it's understanding something. Getting the spirit of it in you. And above all, doing it. Yes. Putting it into practice in your life. And you have to have some understanding of something in, to do that. And um, in talking about being a doer of the word in James, you remember, he mentions the man who looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets. What he saw, that's the illustration he uses in connection with being a doer or not being a doer. Well, what's the solution then? You've got to continue to behold. Right? Like uh, Paul writing to the saints at Corinth mentioned, he said, as you behold, like in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, then you're changed from glory to glory. You're changed as you continue to look at it and think about it and talk about it day after day, week after week, month after month. People miss it, ministers miss it, when they're always looking for something new and trying to impress somebody with their dazzling array of knowledge. And of course, I'm not trying to do that. I hope you know that. But uh, Hebrews 13, this is what I have on my heart. And of course, the you know, this is not just all up to me. Are you going to believe with me tonight? You're going to help me with this? And you know you're not just believing for yourself, don't you? These tapes go around the world. And the internet's around the world right now. And so uh, you believe in God and those of you watching by internet, your faith affects this too. All of us believing God together, revelation will come out. That will help me and you. And we'll be doers and we'll come up to a higher place. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conversation. Now that word, if you look it up, it doesn't just mean you talk. It means your manner of life. Be what? Without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. Now a lot of charismatics don't like that. They can't avoid that. Because they're wanting to believe for better. Hear how quiet it got. It's like. Well obviously we're believing for better. I wouldn't say everything I just got through saying. And then get up here and contradict it now. If I believed it. But the very pause that you just sensed, I believe, is one reason why the Lord has us on this tonight. Two key words here. Let your way of life, your whole life, your conversation, 
King James word. Be what? Without covetousness. That's the title of the new series. Without covetousness. See, I told you you'd be excited. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs., what is a covetousness? I'm going to tell you in just a minute. But one thing you already know, you ought to be totally devoid of it. Right? You know you don't want one. (laughs) If the Lord says, be without it, what does that mean? Completely devoid of it. And uh, if you know anything about this, you know that this is a big issue. Oh, it's a big one. And if you sit there and just immediately assume, well, this is going to be easy. I already got this one. Then you're the very dude we're talking to tonight. But we're talking to ourselves. Jesus has said, we won't turn there right now, but in Luke, the 12th chapter, these are his words. He said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Well, just turn there. Go to Luke. Hold your place in Hebrews. Luke 12, verse 13. Luke 12, 13. One of the company came to him, to Jesus. And he said, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now get a picture of what's going on. This is public. It'd be like me speaking here tonight. And somebody walking up and said, you know, would you tell my brother sitting over there that we're supposed to split the inheritance of the family? Well, without going into any detail, what do we know is going on? A squabble. In all probability, somebody has gone on. Mama, daddy, somebody. And the inheritance that was left, there's a fight over it. Was that the last time that kind of thing occurred? The courts are full of this kind of stuff. Of believers. Christians. Obviously, he is here and Jesus has been speaking and ministering. And he's not talking about what Jesus is speaking on. How many know you can become preoccupied with something? You can become obsessed in your thinking with a thing until that's all you think about night and day. And when you should be hearing the word, you should be enjoying the presence of the Lord. You should be getting revelation on what the master was saying. You're just waiting for your spot to pipe up and try to use this man's influence to get your way in a family squabble. Wonder if that's happened in any modern services. You know, being ministers, we've seen it. Have a great service. And some good things come out and God move. And as soon as the service is over, somebody try to make a beeline to me or to Phyllis or to one of the ministers. And it's obvious as they begin to talk and their irritation comes through, they didn't even hear what happened that night. And there were answers. But all they could do is sit there and fume and stew over 
brother so-and-so is not doing me right. And sister so-and-so is not right. And this ain't fair. This ain't fair. So this man. He said, master. Tell my brother. To divide this inheritance with me like he's supposed to. Kind of reminds you of somebody else. Lady named Martha. You remember her? Huh? She had a real thought about something Jesus ought to do one time. Didn't she? She's in the kitchen, you know, cooking a big meal. The Bible, one translation said she was very busy with elaborate preparations. I mean, she's got two turkeys in the oven. She's got souffles and dressings and got five desserts and it's all going at one time. And she's, you know, serving this and slicing this and changing this and moving this. And her sister, sorry heifer, (laughs) is sitting in there. Taking notes, listening to Jesus, and she's in here doing all this by herself. And she just knew that Jesus would not approve of that. She just knew it. And so she'd come to the door once in a while and go, but Mary just did not get distracted. Until finally it got strong in her. She obviously interrupted Jesus. Now think about this. And she said, Lord, would you tell my sister to get in here and help me? Now, can you understand that she is, this is a good woman. This is, Martha's a good woman. But she sidetracked here. She thinks she knows what's important. She thinks she knows what the Lord thinks about it. And she's wrong as wrong can be. I think she was shocked when Jesus did not say, yeah, Mary, get up and go in there and help her. I think she was shocked when he looked at her and said, Martha, Martha. Now, when the Lord calls your name twice like that, just hit the ground and start. You don't even have to know what's coming next. No, you've messed up. Keith, Keith, oh God. (laughs) He said, you are full of care and troubled about all kind of things. But your sister has chosen the one thing that's really necessary and important. And it won't be taken away from her. But she got a revelation. This man was that way. He's so convinced that Jesus, you know, see, people do that. They sit and they imagine how things are going to go. And that's where some of their greatest upset comes. When it doesn't go like they imagined it and planned it. Don't do it. Save yourself problems. Don't sit around and imagine how you think it ought to go. Then you won't have to undo it and die to it. He said, Master... Tell my brother to divide this inheritance with me. It's supposed to be split right out in the middle. Everybody knows that. Tell him. And I think he's convinced Jesus is going to go, where's your brother? He's right over there. Are you not wanting to divide this up with your brother like you're supposed to? You better divide it up. But instead, what did he say? What did he say? He said, man, 
Who made me a judge or a divider over you? Hmm. Then he said, take heed. What does that mean? Watch out. Better watch this. Beware. That's a strong word, isn't it? Beware of what? It's not all about what's fair. It's not all about fair. See, the man might have been right. His brother might have been. Being sorry about it. And underhanded. And trying to take something that legally and rightfully belonged to him. But is that all the Lord cares about? It's what's legal or right or fair. He cares about fair, but is that all he cares about? No, there are other things that take preeminence over that. And here's one of them that hasn't been talked enough about, and it's why I'm stirred up about it tonight. We're going to get on this. You know how we do. Hmm? This is not the last time you're going to hear about this tonight. We're going to get on this. And we're going to believe God and we're going to cover scriptures. We're going to look at illustrations and we're going to find out what Jesus is talking about. Beware of. Watch out for this. We're going to find out what the scripture says in Hebrews that our life is to be completely without. Devoid of. What is it? Covetousness. Read it with me. What did he say? Take heed and beware of what? Covetousness for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. The clothes do not make the man. The house does not make the woman. The car does not make the man. Money doesn't make you anything. It just is a tool to express what you are. If you're a good person, the more money you have, the more good you can do. If you're a sinner, more money you got, the more you can sin. Gives you the ability, the resource to affect things in this world because money affects stuff in the world. But your life does not consist of it. Now, let me say it again. Think about it. Look, put your eyes on it again. Jesus said, take heed. Beware of covetousness. Why? Because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now go to Hebrews. Back over there. Verse 5, our text. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be what? Content. Now this is a very key word. You can see this. What if you are covetous about something? How would what would be an indicator? You will be discontented over things. Be content with such things as you have. For now, people stop before they get to the four. People take that and say, well, be content with what you have. And what they try to say is, don't try to believe for anything better. Just be content. Well, no. He said, be content with such things as you have for. This is where your contentment comes in. For he, God, has said, 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can boldly say the Lord's my helper. This is why you should always be content. Now in some ways we're plowing some new ground here. Can you sense this? And I want to back up a little bit and talk about this area. I think that this subject has within it the revelation and answers to a lot of confusion. There are a lot of people who think they don't believe like we do about prosperity and stuff. It bothers them when they hear us talking about our houses and lands. Hmm? Have you seen it and heard it? Oh yeah. It bothers them when they hear about us talking about sowing a seed and believing for a harvest. It bugs them. And some people are sincere about it bugging them because of verses like this. Or in 1 Timothy, where he talks about, well, let's just turn and read it. We can't move too fast on this, because this is new ground in some ways. 1 Timothy 6. This passage is like this, is why some Christians think they don't believe in prosperity. And uh, if what we believe is truth and right, then there's no contradiction. Between passages about covetousness and passages about prosperity. 1 Timothy 6 verse 5. He talks about individuals who are not doing good. And he said the perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. 1 Timothy 6 5. Destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness. From such Withdraw yourself. You know there are individuals. That the Lord tells you not to fellowship with. More than once in the New Testament. Well we should obey the Bible. And somebody said well that's not love. It's more than you know. The love of God is always endeavoring to get people to see the light and the truth. So they can repent and come to God and not be judged. And sometimes. It's uh, important, in fact, the Bible talks about in Corinthians, that if somebody that's called a brother, be a, a thief, a fornicator, the list goes on, said don't even eat with them. Don't have a meal with them. Now, most churches don't talk about that and Christians don't practice it. But why? Why would you say that? Because people do not need to be able to live a life full of sin And come to church and fellowship with everybody and sing in the choir and do everything else that they want to do like everything's okay. Did you hear me? People need some things to jar them sometimes. A wake-up call to realize, whoa, where's all my friends? I've sinned myself right out of my relationships and my stuff. And to come to the rude awakening, not only have I gotten away from people, I've gotten away from God. But now this, he said, uh, withdraw yourself. Verse 6, because these people suppose that gain is godliness. They equate material gain with being godly. We've taken a stand 
that prosperity is the will of God. And make no apology for it. But I feel like this side of it needs to be preached too. Don't you? So that people see both sides of this. Because it's the word. Gain isn't godliness. In, uh, in some of the word and faith circles, charismatic circles, there have been some who've actually maxed their credit cards out and gone in debt way over what they could ever hope to pay back to have a guise of prosperity. To be able to drive up to church in the fancy new car. To have the fancy clothes and the nice jewelry and the big house to look like God's blessing me. Did you hear me? Imagining that the material increase equals godliness. Well, we know that's not true. There are some of the wickedest people around that's got all kind of money and stuff. No. Stuff doesn't equal godliness. But people get out of that ditch and go all the way across the road and rightly dividing the truth into the ditch on the other side of the road and say that any material wealth is wicked. Hmm? Oh, no, no, no. If you want to be godly, you can't have any of that stuff. Which is not in the Bible. Well, what do these things mean? Let's read it. Verse 6. But godliness with contentment. There's that word again. Are you already seeing some things here? How would you know that you were in some covetousness? Think you can't be content unless you have that thing. You can't be satisfied without it. Which should cause a red flag to come up to you. That you think I'm not complete unless I got that big house. I'm not what I want to be unless I get a certain amount of money, unless I get this and I get that. And just are unhappy and and not content until you can get that. Well, if that's the case, you're going to have that on your mind night and day. That that's going to make me happy. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But what that boils down to is you saying God's not enough to make you happy. I got to have this. Now, our text we just got through reading, you remember what it said? That your lifestyle be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said. Are you listening? Are you seeing it now? He has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What are we seeing here? I'm going to have to come back and go over all this again. I see that. But, but how many remember Paul said, He had learned. No matter what condition he was in, he had learned what? How to be. Does that mean he never believed for anything? No, it just means that he doesn't have to wait until it materializes for him to have some peace and joy and contentment in his life. Oh, can you see it? Stuff is just stuff. Money is just money. It's all going away. But God, but God, if you got God, you got everything. 
Whether you got two pennies or 200 billion. It's not the lack of the money that should make you miserable. It's not the abundance of money that's going to make you complete and content. Whether you got the two pennies or the 200 billion. What's going to give you peace in your heart when you lay down at night? What's going to give you a sense of value? Cause you to know who you are and what you are. There ain't enough money in the world to give you an identity. People have found it out the hard way. Billionaires and are so miserable they commit suicide. Why? Because they found out, we've said it before, the poor man can try to live under the illusion that if he had enough money, he'd be happy and everything would be all right. But the rich man that's got it all has found out it ain't true. You can have everything. And it don't make you happy. So what do you do now? Oh, but you and I. This is freedom, friend. This is liberty. This is liberty. That no matter what I have or don't have, I don't have to wait to be fulfilled. I don't have to wait to be satisfied and to have the peace that passes understanding, keeping my heart and mind. Everything else, as they say down south, is just gravy. You know what I mean by that? The houses, the cars, the money, the stuff. That's the blessings. But the main thing, the blesser. Because you got the blesser. You got the blessings. I mean, the blessings come with the blesser. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Do you suppose, you've, don't raise your hand now. I don't want any testimonies on this. But do you suppose you have ever yielded to any covetousness? I can tell you right now, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Is it okay? Without going any further, I'm telling you, I'm going to show you scriptures, but I'm telling you, God hates it. It is a huge issue to him. It is a violation of the commandment and some of the commandments from the beginning. It's huge. It's huge. And it is one of the chief blockers of blessing one of the biggest things that stand in between people and the full blessing of God and just to give you a little preview I, the Lord has shown me why talk about this brother Keith why and why now <laughs> because God wants you and me qualified for the biggest of the big And covetousness would disqualify you. So this is the mercy of the Lord. And this is the blessing of the Lord. He's a faith God. And faith gets ready. So God by faith is getting us ready. For the big blessings. Somebody say big blessings. Big blessings. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. Whether people failed test or passed test. God can only bless you to the point where you start changing for the worse. Everybody likes to think money won't change me. Stuff won't change me. No matter what I ride in or live in or what I have, it won't change me. 
Most people it does. But if it does change you in a negative way, then that's as far as God can bless you. He can't continue to pour out blessings on a covetous individual. So there's the cap. And he doesn't want to be limited in blessing us. So, so many, I mean, how many understand it's not hard for God to bless? Everything on our vision list and everything on the rest of the church and the earth rolled together. Do you think it even challenges God? He looks at it and goes, is that it? <laughs> is it a challenge for him to do it? Then what's the challenge? The challenge is people being prepared and actually ready to receive and to handle and to do. I've, you've seen it too. I have seen people absolutely blow their witness over $50. I've seen people act like a heathen over a pair of shoes or a car or an inheritance. I've seen people lose their health and half lose their sanity over a little money. Have you seen it? I've seen men worry themselves sick and develop ulcers and bleeding ulcers and cancer of the stomach over money deals. And we say, well, it's the money, it's the bills. No, it's not. It's covetousness. And we're supposed to be what? Without it. That means none in us, none on us, not in our thoughts, not in our words, not in our actions. You can put the magnifying glass on us and go, how much covetousness is in there? Man, I can't find any. There's none. They are without. There's none in them. Glory to God. Somebody say, that's us. God's bringing us there. Very quickly. I'm cooperating. I'm listening. I'm receiving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's keep reading this. Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. Is that true? What do you have in your pocket? When they slapped you and you drew your first breath, you didn't have a pocket because you didn't have no pants for the pocket. <laughs> what did you come into this world with? Possession-wise, money, nothing, nothing, zippo, nothing. And it is certain that we can carry nothing out. How much are you going to take with you? Hmm? Heard one preacher say one time, he said, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. <laughs> you can take nothing with you. So, now this is important, friends. What does that mean? All the stuff is only to be used for a short time. Someone said, well, that's mine. That's mine. You have come into the earth for a few days and real shortly you're leaving. You're going out. And you will not take that car or that house or that jewelry or those stocks and bonds or those savings. You will not take one piece of it with you. 
So all it is good for is to be used, right, as tools, preferably to do the will of God and to bless other people for a few days. And we're already making progress. Do you know that? I mean, God's helping us right now. There's some, uh, there's some businessmen just got some revelation just the last few minutes. Because if all you do is immerse yourself in that world, then over a period of time, these things can become more important to you than they should be. And you don't stop to think, hey, what's going to happen in 50 years? The objective of your life is not just to amass a fortune. If that's all you do, you're a failure in life. I don't care how much money you make. Why are you here? The Lord has made all things for his pleasure. They're created. What? And so anything that we have available to us, buildings, lands, money, airplanes, houses, what's it for? It's just tools, natural tools we can use to accomplish something. And yes, we believe God wants us to have the very best. Absolutely. And make no apology for it. If not, who's the best for? If it's not for us, who's it for? The devil and his bunch? God wants the most sinful, the most wicked to be the best supplied and have the best equipment and the loudest voice and the furthest reach and the most impact and the most influence? I don't think so. No. Keep reading. Verse 8, and having food and raiment, let us what? There's that word again. Let us be what? Now, I've heard people stop right there. They stop right there and they go, now see there. See there? <laughs> you got a piece of bread and you got some shorts and a t shirt. You're supposed to be just happy and not want anything else. Now you add into the scripture now. He said, be content. He didn't say you couldn't have any vision. And all you got to do is read the rest of the chapter to learn a whole lot of other things that go along with this. You see, that's what happens. People take a half a verse that they don't even half understand <laughs> and get all messed up. Verse 9, but they that will be rich. Now, if you look up that phrase, it has to do with, uh, and this is the whole subject of covetousness, the word craving to be rich. Will that you have set your will and you crave it. What will happen to? They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare which is a trap. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Lusts. Now see that this is the same verse. So what are people doing about being rich? They're lusting to be rich. And can you see, without even going further, this desire is preeminent. Should the desire to be rich be the strongest desire in our life? Absolutely not. What's our strongest desire? Please God. Live for God. Obey God. Do His will in our life. Right? 
That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about your main desire is to be rich. That's number one on your list. Being a multimillionaire by the time I'm 25 or whatever. That's the biggest thing in my life. So you eat, sleep, dream, and think about being rich. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be a big man. I'm going to be a big woman. I'm going to run a company. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have clout. I'm going to have money. I am going to be rich. He said, what will happen to you? Is you'll fall into temptations. Now let, let me give you this phrase. You might want to write it down. Covetousness blinds you to the truth. Covetousness blinds people to the leading of the Spirit. That's why they would fall into temptations. Phyllis and I have seen it close up. I've seen men, otherwise good men, good women. And some of it they have right that, you know, I want to make a lot of money and I want to be a blessing to the kingdom. Well, great, great. But seek ye first. What, the money? No, uh uh-uh. The what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way of doing things. Seek him, not the the blesser, not the blessing, seek him. I've seen people that got duped by con men, Christians that love God and in many ways good people. And there have been times where Phyllis and I just shook our heads and thought, can't they see that? That is a con. They're trying to take them and just keep pumping money and just shell out money and money and money and not get anything and not get anything on the promise that we're about to hit it big. What's happening? If they'd listened, the Spirit of God would have told them, don't get into that. That's not for real. Don't do that. But what's happening? They're being blinded by what? The hunger for that big money. They can taste the money. They can smell the money. Just a little bit closer. And boy, the devil loves that. Because he'll dangle that carrot out there and go, Ooh, big money, big money, big money, big money. And you go, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, big money, big money. But you got to give us another 100,000. And be, it'd be six more months. Oh, but we're close. We almost got it. Almost got it. Uh, it's going to be another six months and another 200,000. But whoo, we close. Whoo, and now it's twice as big as it was. Whoo, and your head's going. Oh, I'm excuse me. Your heart. Your heart's going. Oh, you ain't going to write a check for another 200,000, are you? And your head goes, big money, big money, big. Covetousness blinds you to the leading of the Lord. Are you listening? Somebody say, not me. me. They that will be rich, they fall into temptation and snares and traps into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for money is the root of all evil. No. 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 What? Money and stuff is bad. Hmm? Isn't that what a lot of Christians try to tell us? Especially substantial amounts of money. Oh, no, no, it'll ruin you. 
Money will ruin you. Don't you know money? Have you ever heard people say that? Money is the root of all evil. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Is that what this said? What does it say? Well, you know, same thing. No, not the same thing. (laughs) Having money and loving money is not the same thing. You could have all kind of money and care less about money. Which I like the sound of. Brother Keith, is it true? Y'all got three and a half billion in the bank? You go, oh, is that what it is? If you say so. Three and a half, buh, 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 buh. What does it matter? Except for the ability to be a blessing and to get the word out. That matters. But other than that, it don't make me a better person or you a better person or it doesn't tell me who I am. I know who I am. And I'm that without a penny. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. We've been made the righteousness of God in Him. How many understand? Soon and very soon, there ain't gonna be no currency. There's only one thing gonna matter. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know him? Does he know you? Does he claim you? And I got it. I got that. Right now. Right now. You got that. Right now. So we are rich. We're rich. Rich. With the most important things in life. We already got it. We already got it. We already got it. So I don't have to wait till I get to a certain financial or material point to feel like I'm a real man. Or a real child of God. Or a real faith man. I got it right now. I didn't even have to get it. Jesus bought it and paid for it. And gave it to me. I just received it. I'm already rich. I'm already rich. Say it out loud. I'm already rich. I already know who I am. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. But now see what people do is they get to talking about things like that and they get anti-stuff. Which is, there's no basis for it in this scripture. Keep reading. For what? The love of money. Is this talking about covetousness? It is. Is the root of all evil, other translations say all kinds of evil, all manner of evil. And all you got to do is stop there. What kind of bad things have people done out of a love for money? Online, deception, stealing, killing. There's all kind of things people have done. Because of a love. Can you see this goes back? They that will be rich. People have taken that and not looked at the whole passage. What does it mean? People who love money. And that is their prime, their number one. I'm going to have some money. I'm going to get rich. I'm a... That is not okay. Because if that's number one, God's not. Keep reading. Which while some have, there's the word, coveted after, 
They have erred from the faith. That takes you off the faith path. So people, there are people that have accused that if you're a so-called faith, word and faith person, then you're that covetous much. No, the two are mutually exclusive. You can't be a real faith person and be covetous. Covetousness takes you off the faith path. Can you see this? They've erred from the faith and been pierced. They pierced themselves. Through with many sorrows. Man, there is many a man and a woman tonight sitting alone in a dark place with a bottle or a needle or a pill in a mansion with stuff, but they got no family, they got no friends, they got no respect, they got no peace, they got no contentment. And so people see things like that and they think, well, I don't want a big house and I don't want the money. It's not the big house didn't do it to them. The car and the money didn't do it to them. What did it to them? The love of it. The lust after it. The covetousness is what did it. They pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things. And you follow after righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, patience, meekness. Somebody say, that's me. That's what I'm going after. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold. Are we going to be believing and receiving some? Yeah, lay hold on eternal life. Does eternal life include a lot of things? Does it include healing? Does it include being filled with the Spirit? Does it include prosperity and having your needs met? He said, lay hold of eternal life. Where to you called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now skip down to verse 17. It's all in the same chapter. So charge them that are rich in this world to get rid of all that filthy money because it'll destroy them. The way so many people try to interpret those first verses we read, that's what it ought to read then. Because that money will destroy you. Money will destroy you. Money's root of all evil. Then it charges them that are rich to get rid of that money. No. Charge them that are rich in this world. That's money and stuff. That they be not high minded. Huh? Everybody stick your nose up. All right, now take you take your finger and push it back down. How much can God bless you before you start doing this? Huh? Are you with me now? What's the number? What's the place? Is it car number three? Is it bedroom number six? Are you with me now? Where is it where you begin to go? I'm not going over those people. No, that's not nice enough for me. The moment You don't have to say it. The moment that begins to work in you, here comes a cap. Here comes a ceiling. You're done moving up in the blessings of God. Did you hear me? What ought to happen if we know the truth, the more God pours blessing on us, the more thankful we ought to get. And the more we ought to humble ourselves. And instead of acting, you know, aloof about it, 
would always be in trying to encourage somebody else that God do the same thing for them. Instead of putting ourselves in a category above or beyond, we tell them where we came from. And how not long ago, we were riding a bicycle. Right? Or whatever. And say, hey, you know, God did it for me. And I didn't know anything. And he taught me how to sow seed and believe. And he'll do it for you. Come on, let me take you a ride. Get used to it. (laughs) Instead of being afraid, they might get your seat dirty. Might get something on your carpet. What if they do? You understand what I'm talking about? You can see when you begin to get hung up on your stuff. Now that's mine. That's Don't touch that. That's mine. That's when you need to loan it to somebody for a week. Or give it to them. I'm serious now. Don't, t- don't touch that. Your hands clean? What's on your feet? But now, I believe in taking care of your stuff. I believe that's part of good stewardship. But you know what I'm talking about, right? There are times God may deal with you to do something. And the issue here has got nothing to do with the stuff. It's about the soul. It's about the people. It's about loving them, encouraging them, blessing them. And if you dirty something, so what? You get your three new ones next month. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. This is in keeping with what he started talking about. People, why would somebody eat, sleep, dream, think, I got to be rich. I got to have money. Why? Because they think money is the solution for everything. They think money will make me a big man. Money will make me happy. Money will give me everything I want. I can buy my way out of trouble. I can buy whatever I want. I can get it. They are trusting in the money. The money is their savior and their healer and their provider. The money is their protector. And if it is, God is not. And that's what happened to the, how many, can you see that's got nothing to do with the money? No, not everybody can. That's what happened to the rich young ruler. That's why the, the Lord went through that whole passage and he said, You know how hard it is for them that have money to get in the kingdom? No, no, no. For them that trust in riches. He didn't say them that had money. How hard is it for them that trust in their riches to get in the kingdom? Why? Because they are trusted. That's why that man couldn't turn loose of that money. Because that was his safety net, his comfort, his protection. That was his thing. And if I give all that up, what am I going to have? Well, God, just God, who created the heavens and the earth. And he didn't ask the man to take a vow of poverty, did he? He he told him to sow it. What happens after you sow? Man, bless the man's heart. What was he being offered? A place with the disciples of the master. A place in the kingdom and a huge chunk of seed sown into the foundation of the eternal church of the Lord. He thought the Lord's trying to get something from him. Bless his heart. 
I like to think maybe he got to repenting and got straight later, even if it was after the Lord, you know, because uh, the Lord's merciful like that. Even after the Lord died and was resurrected, it's possible. There's no scripture that I see about it, but I'm positive like that, you know. <laughs> but anyway, you and I don't have to do that. Keep reading. Don't trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God. Now get this. Get this. Hmm? Who gives us richly the bare necessities. Now God told you he'd give you your needs. He didn't tell you he'd give you your desires. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. He told you he'd give you stuff to enjoy. And if you'd delight yourself in the Lord your God, he would give you the desires of your heart. And he would do even exceeding and abundantly above what you had asked or you had thought. What's the issue? Having stuff? Mm -mm. No. God wants to give us richly all things to. Oh, did you hear that word? Come on, did you hear that word? I got some stuff. Serves no other purpose. Except I enjoy it. <laughs> and I am not ashamed of it. This is one area we have to make adjustments. I tried to express this and I don't think I was very successful here recently. But see, there are a lot of people who think, they think we believe like they do about money and stuff. But we're hypocrites. They think we really believe it's wrong to have nice stuff, but we want it and are covetous, so we get it. No, we don't believe like they do. We believe it's the will of God to have the stuff. And we're not embarrassed about it. We're not trying to hide it because we're not ashamed of it. At least some folk are getting that. How about you? How many will let God bless you to the heights and not make apologies for it, not be ashamed of it, not try to hide it? We are to be set on a candlestick and let God see the bless, let the people, excuse me, see the blessing of the Lord because it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. When they see how good God is, he healed us, he blessed us, he paid off our stuff, he gave us the best of the land. And people say, man, how'd you do all that? Well, I didn't. I just believe God. He did it. And he'll do it for you. He's a good shepherd. He's good. You can be part of the flock. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Thank you, Lord. Can you say amen? amen? Can you have all kind of stuff. Yes. And not love it? Yes. Hmm? Can you have a lot of money. And not love it. At all. Be thankful for it. Use it. Enjoy it. But not love it at all. 
Let me challenge you. Eliminate that word love from your vocabulary when it has to do with stuff. Never say, I love money. Never say, I love my car. You can say, I like my car. I enjoy my car. I'm thankful for my car. But I love God and people. Not metal that rusts. That is never going to love me back. People try to fellowship with their cars. They do. They talk to them and. You a good baby. Oh, that's my baby. Here, you like that? It has never heard you. It never will. It is not thankful. It does not appreciate when you changed the oil and tuned it up. Somebody said, I think it did, Brother Keith. No. <laughs> no. It's a machine just like a washer or a refrigerator. But some folk didn't like that, did they? They're like, Brother Keith, I love my car. Yeah, don't say that anymore. You love God. And you love people. You don't love money. You don't love, uh, I just love my new dress. No, you don't. Don't say that. If you do, you need to repent. I just love my, I love my house. I love my stuff. I love my, I love, you love God. And you love people. And stuff is stuff. And in a few more days, all of it's going to be ashes. All of it. Your perfect house, your perfect car, you will not be able to pick it out from the other ashes. Because it's all melting, brother. It's melting with fervent heat. You can't take it with you. You wouldn't want to. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.